This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, March 31st, 2022, and I have the excellent JC of Some Gadget Guy. Miriam, it's been too long. Thank you for having me on. This is great. It's great to see you. Absolutely. It's fantastic to see you. You know, when I was looking at my list of people, you were next and I had a cancellation. It was a perfect timing. I was just ah, like, yes. yes. Excellent. I'm glad to hear so it. So there's obviously <laughs> going to be a lot of brouhaha today specifically. When, yeah. By the time you folks listen to this, it'll be two days ago, about the OnePlus 10 Pro, which is finally out in the US. The embargo mm-hmm. lifted. My review will be up on hot hardware. And... I'd love to hear your thoughts on this whole, I mean, there's a, we could go on about the whole strategy there's, there's of so OnePlus. Much, I feel like I might need to just interview you because apparently me, my OnePlus <laughs> 10 Pro got lost in the mail. So unfortunately, I'm not jumping on the embargo launch week. Um, I'm going to have to circle back to the yeah. OnePlus 10 Pro. I mean, feel free to ask me questions, but I'm just saying like, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. OnePlus's strategy because we've covered that a lot on the show, mm-hmm. but I do want to maybe talk at least about the it launched in china first which was a big change for them and how that might have spoiled some of the excitement or maybe yeah you know justified or not right i I think a a major theme for our conversation today is going to be the uh, the sort of the perception of the united states market you know i think we saw that from boutique players last year where it doesn't make sense to try and and crowbar into the united states and, you know, we, we, you know, we can make jokes about Sony's, but they sell like gangbusters <laughs> in Japan and China. And then they take their time coming here because we know what the United States market looks like. And I feel like this is now bleeding over into other brands, like from Oppo's perspective, now that OnePlus and Oppo are better stapled together. Why fight so hard for the United States carrier market if you know you're going to sell out batches of phones like crazy? Um, yeah. in China, in India, and, and throughout the EU. 100%. All right, so let's start with this OnePlus 10 Pro. Like, I'll yeah. tell you how I feel, because that's kind of sure. where I want to start. So, I'm, I'm really excited about this launch, but I'm excited for, I think, a very different reason. So I'm, 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 I'm very lit up about the OnePlus 10 Pro for <laughs> what it might do to other competitive phones. But I'd love to hear. Let's, let's, let's get in. Yeah, so for me, basically... Like once they launched it in China, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I had that kind of meh, whatever. Like I looked at <laughs> right. the specs, right? And I was like, okay, it's like a slightly tweaked OnePlus 9 Pro For and sure. nothing to see here. You know, I felt the same way about a lot of the flagships that were announced this year. Very evolutionary, yeah. you know, but the thing we keep forgetting both as reviewers and I think as our audience, the folks who listen to us and watch us who are so tech savvy is that we forget that once you actually start using a phone, you realize sometimes that there's way more to it. There's a lot of little details that kind of pop up that are good or bad. The most telling experience I had like that was with the Pixel 5a last summer, where I was just Mm -hmm. like, 
Okay, it's like a, a water-resistant 4A 5G, big deal. And then I used it and reviewed it under embargo, and it just was like, wow, what a homecoming. Yeah. It just felt so good. Now, I, I'm, the OnePlus 10 Pro is not quite there for me in that sense, but no. you know, initially I was just like, oh man, we really need a OnePlus 10 Pro Plus or Pro Ultra, Ultra, or, Ultra or something. Right? Yeah, we need exactly. something that'll you know, totally kick butt, right? That's what we need. And we're not getting that, so I'm not interested. It's sort of my reaction, right? <laughs> For sure. So now, I think some of the conversation and leaning into exactly what you're saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in front of a desk full of, of really premium tiered devices, and obviously my use does not resemble any kind of daily driver use. But, you know, I've got a, a Note 22 and a Galaxy S22 in front of me, and I, I kind of find the conversation about the OnePlus 10 Pro, I mean, it's almost a little distasteful. You know, the S22s are iterative devices, and the OnePlus 10 Pro is an iterative device, but it still represents an interesting conversation in hardware versus software competition. So you give up decks and you give up one year of operating system updates and you arrive at something that can kind of out hardware an S22 plus for $100 less. And I think that's a completely fair competitive conversation. It doesn't make sense to put a OnePlus 10 Pro up against a Note 22, but in that S22 spot, Samsung is super vulnerable and we know that they're not getting the job done inspiring consumers to step up to more expensive phones. So this is a critical sort of junction point when we know that the semiconductor industry is hurting and we know global distribution is hurting. I, I don't think that this is a terrible look for OnePlus, but even though it's not exciting, it's perfectly in line with what other manufacturers yeah. are doing. Yeah, so basically, you know, I went into it kind of mad. And yeah. then I got the phone <laughs> and I, I played with it briefly in Barcelona at Mobile Congress. This is my mm -hmm. first time I held it in hand. And I was like, wow, this feels really nice. Like, yeah. you know, uh, weight balance and materials and fit and finish. Now, a lot of people use their phones in cases and it changes all that to some extent. And, I, and, sure. and I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying I do cases as well. So whatever. But mine are pretty <laughs> thin and light usually. So they're mm -hmm. just kind of like mostly to protect from scrapes not really from drops because yeah i don't really drop my phones but i do scrape them so you know i i felt really i felt really impressed but i was just like and eh, the specs you know and then i got the phone two weeks ago and i started using it and i was like oh man kind of like the pixel 5a i was like wow this feels like i mean it's different right mm -hmm. we're in a different chapter of OnePlus. we're in the oppo chapter now but it still feels good and right. And I was kind of enthusiastic. The same feeling that I had with the Moto Edge Plus 2022. Yeah. When I first got that phone, I was like, wow, yeah, finally it's a so mobile nice. phone yeah. that doesn't suck, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so now, now, with the OnePlus, it wasn't that, but it was more like, oh, maybe I've underestimated this thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I used it and I was impressed and... There are a few things that came out of my use that are so also quite disappointing. But mm -hmm. overall, now that I've played with it for two weeks and I've used it and I've tried everything, I think this is a solid phone. I think yeah. this is a phone that's suffering from the fact that we are in a kind of we're 
bipartisan thing that we have in the U.S. with you <laughs> yeah. know Samsung versus iPhone. Like it's I like, love. I- I love that your descriptor is like hardcore politicking because that's what it feels like with the marketing budgets of Apple and Samsung in this country right now, for sure. I mean, <laughs> like, that's what I mean. And it's like, and it's like, there are such heavy players. There are such elephants in the room that there's no more oxygen. And yeah, exactly. pardon the pun, no more oxygen. Yeah, that was a great, yeah, completely. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, we forget, like we had a kind of meh one plus nine, nine pro experience. I think they were good phones, but for me, they were kind of meh because <sighs> the cameras just didn't live up to my expectations based on a number of things. Um, yeah. Based on the fact that I'd played with the Find X3 Pro that year, which yeah. had incredible camera performance and amazing color science, yet it wasn't Hasselblad branded. Here we had a Hasselblad branded OnePlus 9 Pro that just didn't even meet to the level of the Find X3 Pro. And so, and, you know, and, I and had then that the experience pricing, with the Vivo, right? like going it, X70 Pro Plus. Oh, Again, the BBK strategy was very diverse last year. Yeah, totally. And so I think for me, it was like, okay, so this OnePlus 9 Pro is got all the checks, all the boxes, millimeter wave, an actual real IP rating officially on an unlocked OnePlus phone, mm-hmm. you know, and the price was, whew. and I personally didn't mind that. I would have spent that money. Sure. But I felt like after using the Find X3 Pro, I didn't want a, a OnePlus 9 Pro. I wanted a Find X3 Pro in the US. And in some ways... This Oppo OnePlus merger has kind of solved that. Not fully it's because helped. these, you know, the yeah. Find X5 Pro, which I love, which I have as well, you know, is a different beast from the OnePlus 10 Pro, but they have so much more in common now mm-hmm. that it's elevated the camera system to the Oppo level, which I thought was always better than the OnePlus well, level. Have you have you spent any time backtracking to the OnePlus 9 Pro with um, Android 12? Because I haven't that's had what, time, unfortunately. That's what my experience has been, is I know the every manufacturer that really tried to put out early Android 12 kind of suffered for those updates. But after a couple patches, this experience, and then opposite fun touch on the X70 Pro Plus, this is a much smoother, it's a better performant camera. There isn't any more of that like 4K video time limiting. Like it runs and it actually gets that video in longer takes now. And it's still like the only phone that has ever switched from the main sensor to the ultra wide when shooting 4K 60. It's uh, it on- only next to the Sony is the only phone that shoots 4K 120. So my, my daughter had like a school project and I'm out there shooting 4K slow motion video yeah, from the OnePlus so 9 good. Pro and it looks mm-hmm. amazing. So so this is actually, you know, now with the polish and the updates and we never really go back to OnePlus like we constantly talk about One UI updates on Samsung. <laughs> this is why I'm actually crazy excited for the OnePlus 10 Pro. We know that the 888 versus the 8 Gen 1 in terms of your most phone use, you're not really going to see much performance difference between those two SOCs, yeah. but you can go get the 12 gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigabyte OnePlus 9 Pro for $100 less than the 128 gigabyte OnePlus 10 Pro. Yeah. So you yeah. get the better screen than a Galaxy S22, you get a larger main camera sensor, you get the ridiculous ultra wide on the mm, OnePlus 9 Pro, incredible. which still has not been matched by anyone else. And it's a more mature product for having some of the software polish and some of these updates out. So now I think like 
if you're looking in the S22 and lower price tier, you've got an option that's surprisingly, uh, surprisingly effective at the pricing. And, uh, you know, OnePlus has been getting better with their trade-in deals, too, um, for, yeah. for a number of other phones. So I think that, you know, in, in a really funny roundabout way, I think the OnePlus 10 Pro, <laughs> perfectly competitive against an S22 Plus. I feel let down by the OnePlus 10 Pro because I spent so much time with the iQ. And the iQ right. 9 Pro is insane hardware. Or the Realme GT2 Pro. Oh, the Remail was so, it's so solid. Again, yep. BBK's international strategy is so much more aggressive because they know they're actually marketing in a more even playing field. They're not having to play the carrier game that they play in yeah. the United States. So yeah, the OnePlus 10 Pro feels a little milk toast to me, but that's because I've played with some of these other just baller hardware phones. Yeah, and that's kind of where I came into it, right? I was like, uh, you know, but then I realized, okay, within this, as I said, bipartisan world we live in, in the US <laughs> of the phone universe, yeah, for it sure. is a pretty heavy hitter. It's just it's never going to get the recognition it needs just because yeah. it doesn't have the marketing push. It doesn't nope. have the carrier support. It doesn't have the trade-in offers that Samsung is just obliterating the flagship market with in the U.S. Yeah. right now. And Samsung is like absolutely wrecking the, the used market. You know, prices on used phones now become so aggressively whittled back because, well, people don't want to miss out on getting the bestest deal that they can through Samsung, and it 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 drives a lot of consumer confidence into the ground. Yeah. So, you know, basically, if I have to summarize, if you compare the OnePlus 10 Pro to the OnePlus 9 Pro for the listeners who have some familiarity, and for you, since you don't have mm -hmm. a review unit of the new one yet... <laughs> I'll break it down to categories. Let's start with design. So design, it's a much more cohesive, much more interesting design that has a very unique language because of that camera pod, that ceramic, by mm -hmm. the way, it's real ceramic, and kind of flows into the side of the phone like S21 did, but it doesn't do it in two directions. It does it in one dimension, right? Um, and it's much less fussy like you know the camera pods on the 9 and 9 pro and even the 8 and 8 pro to some extent mm -hmm. had all these openings for laser autofocus and extra things and like that monochrome sensor and you know the spectral sensor before that on the yeah, 8 pro I those. like i mean they were cool <laughs> but did they really did we really need them no what's nice and about this one is it's so clean you got four holes in the back flash telephoto, ultra-wide, main, no, nothing else, that nice Hasselblad logo, and it's matte glass, no matter which color you get, and it's got little sparkles and sprinkles. It looks like, uh, you know, glitter is embedded in the glass. It's very cool, so much so that the black one looks like uh, that sandstone color from yeah. fr that iconic color from one plus it's a little darker but at first you're like you want to you wanted to get the texture and you touch it and it's perfectly smooth because it's glass is very strange but i think the design is spot on mm -hmm. then the display is my next item and the display is exact same display as the oppo find x5 pro and it's an l mm -hmm. tpo 2.0 so it's basically slightly better than the nine Pro was right. Yeah, and, and, and again, I feel like that's a, a significant the the part of the phone that you interact with the most is coming in at a higher resolution and with the real power saving uh, refresh rate 
options that Samsung accidentally misrepresented on the S22 <laughs> yeah. and S22 Plus. That was a blunder. Plus. Whoops. Now, I mean, if any I other know. company had, had done that, it would have been that company lied to consumers. But of course, oh I mean, God. Samsung, they accidentally misrepresented what of their product they could did. do. <laughs> so the point is that for me, the display is absolutely one of the best. It's up there mm -hmm. with the Galaxies and the Oppo, of course, because it's the same one. And, and honestly, you know, I don't think you can go wrong there. Now, no. the cameras, let's talk about the cameras. The thing yes. you need to know about the cameras is on the hardware front, it's a downgrade on the ultra wide in terms mm -hmm. of absolute physics, like the fact that the sensor is smaller, the pixels are smaller. Sure, you can throw a bit more compute at it to compensate, but you're getting a lesser ultra wide in absolute terms than you did last year. You know, that, that IMX 766, that's the ultra wide on the 9 Pro, that's the mm -hmm. ultra wide on the Oppo Find X3 and Find X5 Pros. And also the main sensor on those two fine X's is an incredible sensor. I would argue that it's possibly a better sensor than the 789 main sensor on the 9 Pro and the 10 Pro, even though on paper it's not. Like yeah. it's better tuned potentially because there's more than one manufacturer using it right now. Pretty much all of BBK Group is using the <laughs> exactly. 766 right now. <laughs> but conversely, you lose some, but you gain some. And what you gain is fun. You gain 150 yeah. degree field of view ultra wide with a fisheye mode. You also lose the macro autofocus. There's no autofocus on that ultra wide. So you lose the macro, but you don't because you can use the telephoto as a macro for some things. I yeah, tried I mean, it. The, the, the pixel crop is, is pretty good. You know, it, it's, it's kind of six of one and half a dozen of another because most yeah. of the phones that I've played with that you can get macro off the ultra wide you end up not being able to use it because the phone blocks all of the light on your subject. Yeah. So I end up going to the main sensor and doing a two time zoom and I can't get quite as close, but pixel binning that and cropping it in, I end up with a much shallower depth of field, which from these exactly. phone cameras starts to look really pleasing. So I don't think it's too much of a critical loss. If no. someone really takes the time to learn how to use their camera, um, it, it's for me, it's, it's literally just the physics of the larger sensor. I, I mean, like that to me does 100%. feel like, cause yeah. of that ultra wide, I was using it in crazy low light situations. I was using it for a ton of video. It was sharper rectilinear video than I'd ever seen from a, from a wide and ultra wide angle phone before 8k at 30 frames per second. I mean, it, it was just a monster performer, and uh, that that one to me kind of hurts. That stings yeah. a little looking at the one. That's Plus 10 that's Pro. the big loss. Um, but I think the macro. I just want to mention so people know that. But you can compensate by using the telephoto, for example, or as you said, punch in two X on the main yeah. sensor. Um, now that's the only real physical difference. The telephoto is identical. The main mm -hmm. sensor seven eight nine is identical. The front sensor is a slightly better sensor. It's a 32 megapixel instead of the uh, 16. It has a wider, 27% wider field of view. And honestly, the selfies are a little better, but it's not, oh, you know, it doesn't, have, doesn't have autofocus or OIS or anything like that. So it's still a selfie camera. The, <laughs> that's the hardware. Now the software is where really the differences exist. And again, I have to revisit the 9 Pro my mm -hmm. thought of the 9 Pro is still the launched 9 Pro, and you said, yeah, obviously, that it's, it's changed a lot. very different. Now. And I believe yeah. it, because I know what 
BBK Group has been able to do with with those sensors and well, and and the March update for the OnePlus Nine Pro was another five hundred megabyte monster wow. update. So they've been aggressively iterating on this phone, and the the perception of phone during embargo week and phone immediately after oh, yeah. the first Android twelve is not the lived in experience for anyone who's been coming back to this phone. Again, I mean, like, I've got all these crazy monster camera phones here, but I know (laughs) there's a specific tool. Like if I want to shoot better slow motion video, I'm going Sony or OnePlus. If I want to shoot better stills, I'm looking at a Note 22 or a Vivo uh, X70 Pro Plus. You know, it's like all these different little bits and pieces. I'll never get my one unicorn has it all <laughs> yeah, kind of for phone. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we all have that problem, right? But uh, exactly. I think uh, because you all have the phones, those of right. us who do. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to get back to the difference, the big difference for me is this, is as I explained a little bit earlier, I love the color science that Oppo brings to the table, at least since the Oppo Find X2 Pro, they've just somehow managed to nail their own flavor of color science, which I really pleases me and satisfies me aesthetically. And that combined with pretty good everything like exposure, white Mm -hmm. balance, focus, you know, um, detail and all that stuff that they've done well for a few years and keeps improving. You know, basically what I'm saying is that if you compare the Oppo Find X5 Pro, which is a $1,400 phone, with mm-hmm. the OnePlus 10 Pro, you know, certainly on the main sensor, you're going to get pretty much the same quality photos yeah. and the same color science. Now, what's interesting is if you compare the Find X5 Pro to the Find X3 Pro, they're also very close, <laughs> but right. the Find X3 Pro doesn't have Hasselblad branding. So what's really confusing me here, right, is mm-hmm. that we have two phones now with Hasselblad branding um, for this year, flagships. We've got the 10 Pro and the Find X5 Pro, and they have the same Oppo inherited color science, mm-hmm. yet they don't feel any different than the non-Hasselblad Oppos from before, and they feel radically different in color science from the OnePlus 9 Pro as it launched. Yeah. Um, so for me, and this is, again, my experience is being a generation off because my OnePlus 10 Pro got lost in the mail. For, for me, the, the major Hasselblad advantages on the OnePlus 9 Pro really manifested more on the Pro mode, on the manual mode that the the difference in jpeg uh processing and in hdr processing manifested there yeah. and as a point and shoot camera it i mean you just in full auto was kind of a one plus full auto kind of ultra contrasty kind of look um, which is funny because like i i really like some of the changes that samsung has brought in the note 22 and i like them because it's a bit more like a OnePlus now. Samsung is shooting a little bit more like BBK. I feel like they realize that's yeah, their you're big right. competition. Yeah, I feel that too. Yeah. So I, I feel like when, when we see that Hasselblad branding, Hasselblad wants to be linked. They want to be psychologically combined with higher level use. So I don't think there's a lot going on with the auto mode shots. I think it is more about what to do with these raw files and then how to control the camera app. And then when you do get a JPEG out of the manual mode, it has a distinct processing feel to it. So again, it's, you got to go deep in the weeds. It's a branding exercise. We know that Hasselblad wants to have some identity with 
newer and younger consumers. And we know that OnePlus wants their camera hardware to finally be taken seriously. And that's why we're slapping this label on the back of right. the phone. But I feel like it's very specific where that label matters. Yeah. And I think this for me confirms that it's a label, you know, like I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah. and of course you said, as you said, a, a user experience interface kind of thing, because here's the It thing. matters, but it doesn't matter how it's advertised to matter. You know, you know? <laughs> exactly. The, like the Fine X5 Pro has both Hasselblad branding and Oppo color science. And it feels like the thing that really differentiates it is the Oppo color science, not so much a Hasselblad branding, you know, and, and I see that again on the 10 pro now, and I'd be very interested to pull out my nine pro update it and see if I get the mm -hmm. same experience because that would be gold because here's what I want to tell you folks. Again, if, if the one plus nine pro can achieve close to what the 10 pro does, this is also a big, big deal. I think that we are finally at a stage where I can say that OnePlus has made a phone that runs close on the heels of Apple, Samsung, and Google. This is the first OnePlus phone I've reviewed, you know, barring, of course, the 9 Pro getting the same performance, that to me finally goes like, okay, this camera is competitive. So that's exciting. And as I, again, the color science is just delicious. It's just, I love it. It's lovely. I recommend it. Check it out if you get a chance, folks. It just makes photos that just look. <laughs> here's mm, here's one of the things I, I'd them. love to like circle back in a, in a chat in your DMs later is uh, if your OnePlus 9 isn't on Android 12 yet, um, oh, it's, not. it's probably on whatever was okay. in October last year. <laughs> so one of the biggest updates on the OnePlus 9 Pro and something that has been confirmed is consistent on the OnePlus 10 Pro, OnePlus used to do that oversampling JPEG process. So you would tap the shutter and you'd feel the pulse immediately, but the actual image that would get refined was later in the stack right. of raw files that they use for the HDR. And... Um, now opposite like a Note 22, with some of these updates, it feels more like the Vivo shutter where you tap the button and you might end up with a blurrier shot, but that is the instant that you are right. capturing yeah. off of that shutter button. And it makes the, the, the phone, uh, it, it makes the phone a safer performer in like action shots. I've got a six-year-old, she's running around and yeah, like, yeah. I want the moment and it's okay if it's a little blurry <laughs> because my daughter is blurry. She is, she is constantly She's just a blur. You've never actually she seen is. her in focus I yet. don't know what you she looks like. You're gonna have to like. wait till she's in her teens <laughs> to see her in focus. But, but you know, opposite of Samsung, we're, we know Samsung is doing something funky with their engineering teams for processing an image and the responsiveness of the shutter button is just, has always been terrible. We know it's yeah. because they're they're designing it to do something. I've never fully understood why Samsung plays that that processing game and that delay game with the image you try to capture, but I always miss the moment, especially on the the telephotos. So I would I would highly recommend kind of poking around on that. I will. Because in auto mode, th this is now I, again, I'm basing this more on a comparison with Vivos. The Vivo cameras yeah. have just completely um uh, have completely impressed me. But uh, yeah, OnePlus has, they has my mind, honestly, they're, they're so good. They're so good. But but in, in terms of color science and processing, I think you're going to enjoy that. It's that OnePlus, the OnePlus 9 got so much more performant. It, Mature. It is, 
Yeah. Exactly. And it feels like the way a shutter button should feel, not the way a computer would process an image when it feels like it, which the OnePlus 8 always felt like to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, I've told you the differences in hardware. I've told you the differences in processing and software and in color science and, and all that. And that's basically my takeaway is, you know, they're getting very close to the point where yeah. I can finally feel like they're running with the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting to me. The other thing I want to add is there, you know, there are a few other things you should know that I think are vexing and annoying. And one of them is is actually a pretty common BBK problem and a common Xiaomi problem is the lack of 4K 60 video on the selfie cam. Yeah. Or 30 even, 4K of any kind. Yeah. That is just unacceptable on a flagship. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, an iPhone SE does it, okay? <laughs> like the OnePlus Nord and not the Nord 2, the Nord, the original did yeah. it. So what gives BBK? What gives Xiaomi even, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I feel like is a slap on the on the wrist. All right, so let's move on to performance in terms of radio and audio. So this is another big, big mistake and big disappointment for me. Are you guys ready? I don't think you know this. Uh, Maybe you do, but I don't think the audience knows this. There's no millimeter wave on the 10 Pro. Yeah. The 9 Pro has it. So if you're a Verizon customer, I, I know millimeter wave is just very rare and very, you know, not the most convenient because it's really outside, but it's nice to have. And when you get it, yeah. I have it like literally around the block from my house here. It's and pretty it's quick. it's just amazing. So, yeah. you know, you look, you're looking at that price, $899, and you're like, oh, wow, they finally like got back to a reasonable, more manageable price point that, you know, they might steal people from Samsung S22 Plus, as you said. But no, look at it. Only 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage. That's another thing to keep in mind. You don't have any other options. No. And there's no micro SD. No, I mean, it is literally just the comparison against the base model S22 Plus. There's there's no way to go higher. But that's also why that's why I get excited about a OnePlus 9 Pro on sale. Exactly. You're right. $200 because you know, less than an S22 Plus gets you 50% more RAM and twice as much built-in storage. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about it, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. And then you look at it, no millimeter wave, right? It's another like, mm-hmm. okay, they're saving money, like hardcore here with the RAM, the storage, and the millimeter wave missing. Yeah. And here is what bugs me the most. And it's not because I'm an AT&T customer, because I'm a T-Mobile customer, but it's the fact that they still, still don't have 5G support for AT&T. After three generations of product, it started with the 8 Pro, right? And the Mm -hmm. 8, and now the 9 and 9 Pro, and here we are with the 10 Pro. And, And I know it's, just a matter of certifying it because, you know, you need to be on the white mm-hmm. list of AT&T to get 5G support. It's not a ban thing. I'm sure it's fine. But man, how can they not work that out? Like you look at every Samsung, every Google, every Apple flagship has, you know, if not if not millimeter wave, some of them don't, like the SC doesn't and the mm-hmm. 6, Pixel 6 doesn't have a millimeter wave, but they all are certified on all three major U.S. carriers. Yeah. How is it possible that OnePlus wants to play with the big kids and doesn't <laughs> have that? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think in part, it's also, this is a commentary on the United States carrier market. You know, you, you don't have to make four different versions of a phone <laughs> for the EU. No. You know, they have regulators in place that actually mandate, hey, carrier and network interoperability is a consumer benefit. We don't <laughs> yeah. have this illusion of competition. We have real competition in the EU. And uh, it, I think this is, I mean, sorry, this uh, takes me back to that idea, though. OnePlus is looking at the United States. Uh, excuse me, OPPO is looking at the United States and going, yeah, I mean, we've got a deal with T-Mobile. Maybe there will be a variant that is unique to Verizon. But if we're not going to put those, those phones on store shelves, and if we're really not going to sell to those carriers, why are we going to jump through hoops to try and, and certify and, and make our phones more expensive for devices that will never show up where most carriers are, where most customers are going to shop? And they're going to get slammed by the tech press for having a label that used to mean budget flagship killer, but now they're more expensive. I can see why they're slow playing this market right now. It, it doesn't make sense to them to commit all of those resources. And also with smaller batches of phones, which are going to make those phones more expensive. And, and again, you know, to your point, yes, if you want to compete in the United States, those are the things you have to do. But as a global corporation that's making tons of money everywhere else, I get it. I'm bummed, yeah. but I understand. I understand where they're coming from. I just don't think you can be in this market and be taken seriously. But it sucks. <laughs> it sucks because we're it's here. It's just pure optics, <laughs> you know. And they did it right with the nine pro, so we know they can do it. I mean, the nine pro still didn't have AT and T support, but it did have millimeter wave. Yeah, I mean, for the nine pro, that was more an AT and T problem. Let's be yeah, fair. AT and T really. And I think this is also an AT and T problem. This made an issue out of their five G. Could get certified on AT and T. Sure. There's no doubt. <laughs> But related to that, I also want to say that there's another thing that they save money on, which is kind of, again, it's like optics here, okay? No <laughs> official IP rating on the unlocked model. Yeah. Now, we know it's the same phone. We know it's fine because T-Mobile's version has IP68, right? It's, it's going to be the same phone, guys. It's just different firmware, okay? Mm -hmm. However, again, from a perspective of this market, it's like, come on. It's like, I hate to say it, but the Moto Edge Plus 2022 with IP52, come on, come on. You know, I, I, it matters that you put the label on the box. This is one of the things, though. I mean, Miriam, I mean, I, I got to push back against some of the tech industry because it's more important to get the rating and know what your phone can really do. Yeah. And this is one of the things that burned the HTC 10. It's only IP53. It's perfectly <laughs> right. survivable for getting splashed and getting rained on and getting spilled on and maybe surviving a, a dunk in a sink. And, and you're like, it matters more that we know. But the, one, the HTC 10 got so savaged for not having IP67, a number of companies just said, why, were, why are we going to pay for certification that's going to look like a bad thing? And so instead of the consumers getting the information they needed to better protect their phones, companies went, nah, we're just not going to tell anyone yeah. what it is. And, that, and again, that's the same thing. IP52 is a it's daily fine. lifestyle I, I totally agree with you. It's point. just the optics. It's more like you look at Samsung spreadsheet. But it matters that you put some IP label on the box. Right. I agree with you there completely. You look at uh, Samsung and iPhone and Apple it's like they have it all. And so it's like, I know they're bigger companies or whatever, but come on, BBK is a big company. And so, you know, you know you're right. There are different markets, different market shares, different, you know, mm -hmm. spending in this particular market, the US for them or North America, 
because Canada is included in that. And you know, by the way, you can get the 10 Pro Global with different uh, storage and RAM options, but not in mm -hmm. this market. And our model is single SIM, by the way, in case you're wondering, yeah. and no eSIM or anything like that. So, you know, these are the little things. You Remember I said earlier, you look at the phone initially, you have an impression, you, ha you can be excited or not or whatever. And then <laughs> sometimes it turns, you know, you're like, oh, this is way better than I thought. And sometimes it turns the other way and you're like, oh, that's disappointing. And I experienced both things. Like the camera yeah. was a delight. These little details that are accumulating here are just kind of like... That is not how you make a U.S. flagship, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's problematic. So we can't, as reviewers, not say that because, no. you know, I can educate my audience and say, look, you don't need IP68. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there's going to be somebody who drops their phone in a stream for two hours <laughs> And yeah, but the person who drops their phone in a stream for two hours is likely going to compromise IP68 because they dropped their phone in a stream. Oh, and for sure. Part, for part sure. of the phone cracks. Again, I mean, it's it's it for me, it's, it's more, I can't anticipate what someone's needs might be. Right. I got into this conversation with some dude on Twitter who was like, well, I only care about reviewers that, that talk about my use. And you're like, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know what's in your app drawer. I can't predict that. But I can look at manufacturers' claims and price to performance. And these are the things that may or may not matter. In my comments mm -hmm. right now, I've got a lot of people that are not impressed by 5G, right? So yeah. in a number of markets, especially here in the United States, where 5G rollout isn't as impressive as a carrier's map might indicate, I have a specific conversation about the pros and cons. And I feel with a $100 price difference, someone can make a conclusion based on those Lego pieces that matter to them. Um, the, the OnePlus 10 Pro, I feel, is a perfectly competitive alternative to a Samsung at $100 less. Yeah. But that means different pros and cons. And, cons, and I think someone, yeah. so, someone might be interested in trading better screen clarity, resolution, and power-saving features for 5G and millimeter wave. And I yeah. think that's a fair balance, you know, but again, Absolutely. If, if, if we're not following up on these devices to the same consistency, then that lopsided conversation just rings like Samsung marketing. And we don't really have the showdown that would help a consumer pick a better solution for their specific needs. It's Samsung yeah. is the bestest. Well, for what or for who or just to find the use, because I don't disagree. Like I'm, I'm holding a Note 22. That phone's an incredible productivity monster. I mean, I have monster. one, and I'm just like, yeah, if you want the- It's awesome. You know, the mother of all kitchen sinks, there you go, yeah, right? It's I great. I mean, you can't beat it. But at the same time, I don't like the software. But if I need better stills performance, I'm not going to reach for it. I'm going to reach for a Vivo or a Sony. Right. If exactly. I want better gaming performance, there are a handful of phones out there that can better tame you know, the, yeah. the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 the beast. and deliver more consistent gaming yeah. performance. Yeah. 100%. So continuing my evaluation, the speakers are sound great. I mean, they're mm -hmm. pretty much on par with last year, which were pretty good. The um, nice little thing, by the way, this is very esoteric. You will dig it. <laughs> Most Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 phones do not support analog USB dongles anymore. Mm -hmm. But ta-da! The OnePlus One 10 Pro does, and the mm -hmm. Oppo Find X5 Pro does as well. So, you know, well, and digital is fine. If it's, if it's the same as the OnePlus 9 Pro, um, which I would imagine they wouldn't change that. It just would cost them too much money to even change it. 
the DAC performance on OnePlus phones is phenomenal. Really the good. Amps yeah. are kind of weak, so you can't go drive like, like big thirsty studio phones. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but but the actual uh, DAC processing has always been top yeah. tier yeah. on OnePlus, and it's something that's very impressive. Like Samsungs, I've picked up the Moto. I've got like a bunch of these little dongle DACs and yeah, analog pass-throughs. And I don't have to look at what I'm reaching for on a OnePlus. Any one of those is going to play ball. I have to look for the for the dongle DAC to play with my Moto or my Samsung. And right. it's so small, but if you still have cabled earbuds or cabled headphones, that kind of stuff helps yeah, For sure, for sure. And, you know, I'm just pointing it out because on the 888 side of the universe, last year's flagships, a big majority of them supported both. Whereas mm -hmm. now you really, the big majority of the eight gen one support only digital. Yep. So this was a very refreshing thing. I didn't even expect yeah. it to be happening. <laughs> and then uh, moving on to performance, man, this thing is screams. It's blazing fast. Obviously it's a one plus phone mm -hmm. and the Snapdragon eight gen one is super quick if need be. So, I have no complaints on performance. It run everything I tried like a champ and games and everything, productivity, no problem. Even with eight gigs, which is honestly plenty enough. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to worry about performance. It did throttle less. I had to run benchmarks for hot hardware because that's what they do. And it throttled less than the S22. Yeah. So... That's good news. Oh, the Note 22 has been a terrific performer. And this is one of the reasons why I'm being so cheeky about calling it a Note. It's not an S phone. It has nothing. <laughs> it's not an S phone. resembles an S at all. Totally but the not. S22, I agree with you. <laughs> um, the, the S22 has been a very disappointing performer for an $800 phone. Um, I, I've been colored yeah. by using the iQ 9 Pro, which also, like, it's doing a better job of managing thermals and keeping consistent performance. Samsung obviously had their issues with the whole throttling situation going back several generations. <laughs> it, it's it's um it shows that some of the money you're paying for this one plus ten isn't going into some of the carrier specific and regional specific things that we take for granted on a flagship. But they've done a better job of managing the actual daily performance of that phone. Yeah over a comparably priced Samsung. And again, it's those little shades of gray, those those little nuances that I think kind of matter when someone's living with the phone, not just reviewing it for a week and then putting it in a ridiculous bookshelf full of phones. It's, <laughs> you know, someone who's depending on that purchase to really kind of live their digital lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Uh, next on my list is obviously software. And so there's a lot of brouhaha about, you know, Oxygen West, how it's changed, how it's <sighs> wrong, how it's bad, and how, you know, because it's sharing the code base with ColorOS now. Sure. So here's my take. I am don't dislike ColorOS. I don't love it, but I don't, like, I, I can live with it. I actually rocked a Find X3 Pro as my main phone in the U.S. last year for three months. Uh, even with the lack of 5G support and the spotty 4G support on T-Mobile because it's such a great hardware, such a great phone, such a good camera. And mm -hmm. I wanted, uh, you know, to live with it for a while. And honestly, ColorOS was all right. And I've, you know, I feel that way since the Oppo Find X2 Pro, actually. That mm -hmm. was the first ColorOS phone where I was like, okay, they're getting it now. This feels like an Android phone, not some kind of weird bastardized monster <laughs> right exactly so first of all you have to know that secondly common code base means 
that yes, right now, if you put the Fine X5 Pro and the 10 Pro side by side, and you look through all the settings and the menus and things, yeah, ColorOS comes through the cracks. You can see mm -hmm. that there's a common code base. There's a lot of commonality, but they've tweaked it and skinned it and made it such that the essence of Oxygen OS is there. And more importantly, the fluidity, the cleanliness, the yeah. responsiveness of, you know, Oxygen is there. And I'll have to say, ColorOS is just as fast on the Fine yeah. X5 Pro. So I think Oppo's benefited as well from this, you know? Well, yeah, and it's it's less resources to kind of spread out. I, I mean, we lose some of the OnePlus flavor in customization. I mean, I think that's fair for people who were diehard OnePlus fans oh, yeah. to be 100%. complaining about. Yeah. But there are also some other things like, I love this new screen swipe gesture that came from Oppo, where if you're holding the phone one-handed, and I've got little hobbit hands, so you know, take that <laughs> for my personal preference and bias, but if you swipe up from the corner edge of the screen, it condenses all of your home screen icons into one. So it, it wasn't just they took all this stuff away from us. We, we did get some... Yeah, we yeah. did get some of the more compelling lifestyle and uh, um, customizations from the Oppo side as well. And I feel like this is uh, this is a fine marriage. I, again, I understand why some people are, are feeling so betrayed, but I, I'm not seeing where this really detracts from the overall user experience conversation. It's a performant, expensive, still delightful. premium phone. It yeah. still feels so nice. So I want to put that out there, folks. Don't let that sure. stop you. And then, um, you know, to wrap up completely, the pricing for me, based on, you know, again, I'm looking at it very US-centric because my review mm -hmm. is for US pub, even though my audience, yeah. I know a lot of you listening right now and a lot of you on my YouTube channel are based in the UK, Australia, Canada, India. And I don't want to dismiss your experience, but I had to write my review because Hot Hardware is primarily US publication. Mm -hmm. I feel that $899 is a little pricey. I think because, and this is because of these little things that I mentioned that I feel are critical flagship things in the US. You know, they don't really apply to India. You don't have millimeter wave 5G to worry about, okay? I get right. it. But I'm just saying for our market, if this phone was $749 or $799, absolute flagship killer. It would be, right. you know, and they might not be able to do that. And I get it because it's so tight, especially with supply chain issues and COVID-related yeah. setbacks. I get it. But I just feel like because you're going to be able to buy a lesser phone in some ways, this S22 or the 22 Plus, which I don't think is lesser, but the 22. I mean, put it up against the S22 Plus because I think that's where it's supposed to be. You're going to find that phone for an incredible discount or trade-in through a carrier or even through Samsung's website. I bought a Z Flip 3 four months ago for 180 bucks by trading in two <laughs> flagships I had floating around that, that right. I bought. But you didn't really get it for 180 bucks because you traded in two other phones that you yeah, could have no, sold on Swappa is, for My point for is money. that that doesn't exist on OnePlus. You can't do that with a OnePlus phone. Well, they have trade-ins. Yeah, they do, but they're not quite that juicy. They're, right? they're, they're not as they're not as good as Samsung heavily subsidizing, but you could also yeah. go to the used market and probably get a little extra cash for those two. It's a little bit more effort on your part to sell <laughs> that way. But but again, I, I really do want to put this up against the S22 Plus. So $9 yeah, I think the S22 Plus is the real competitor. But I'm just saying that you, because the S20 is cheaper, 
right? I, I, but but I but I want to do this. So so at a hundred dollars less, you get a higher resolution and a better display. Yes, you get a fast charger in the box. That's at least a fifty dollar fast charger. Yeah, that's the other thing. You get thirty five dollars worth of charger in the box. You get faster wireless charging too. And we also know that the S22 Plus does not charge at 45 oh, watts, no. let alone the 65 watt charging of a OnePlus. You get a larger main camera sensor, you get comparable telephoto and ultra wide sensors. I'd say the, the Samsung fingerprint sensor is better than the yeah. optical sensor on, on the OnePlus 10 Pro. Although I have Pro. to say the 10 Pros is a new optical it's sensor. It's good. And it's pretty good. It's a little faster than I expected. I think it's the same as the Find X5 Pro again. But but again, ultrasonic, nothing's beating the IQ9 Pro. That thing's a monster. Yeah. So um, you know, when we really break all these things down, a hundred dollars less for this phone makes sense to me. Is it the most exciting way to save a hundred dollars on a performant premium tier flagship phone? No. No. But if you care about all of these things and you're okay losing one operating system update. You can go down to the OnePlus 9 Pro and, <laughs> and yeah, double right. your storage and add 50% more RAM. So again, I think this is also a major failing of Samsung in the entry to mid premium tier. The S22 and S22 Plus are not compelling options or any more compelling options than a OnePlus 10 Pro. And if you trade some hardware and some software features around, I think the $100 price, uh, price difference makes total sense for oh, the yeah. OnePlus 10 Pro. But as a savvy consumer, you really do need to look about what you use your phone for and what you care about. Because if you save $100 and then you're like, oh, but I really like Dex, <laughs> then you didn't save $100. <laughs> you bought a phone you can't use. Yeah. Um, but it's not it, it's not head to head. You know, the yeah. S22 Plus, I don't feel is going to inspire anyone to trade or, or spend premium tier cash in Android land against, you know, a, a similarly priced iPhone. Like just the, the data on that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So when we're talking Android land and we're looking at all of the various competitors in this place, I think the OnePlus 10 Pro strikes exactly the right set of compromises given the realities of the international market right now. Absolutely. And then yeah. it's just if you're a consumer who cares more about uh, millimeter wave than resolution on your display or power <laughs> saving features on your display, then you can make that choice. And For you can sure. make that choice knowing it's only going to be about $100 and then you just need to spend more on the Samsung to get a somewhat faster charger that will never match what OnePlus can deliver. 100%. And so I just want to point out to those of you who are not in the US or Canada <laughs> that a lot of my reservations go away and the pricing in your country might be different as well. but. I think it's a more compelling option possibly in your markets. Although you have more competition, yeah. you get Xiaomi and you get others, right? But um, one thing I didn't talk about, and we should probably wrap up the OnePlus because we have about 20 minutes left and I want to talk For about sure. the news, is battery life. And battery life is actually solid. It's better than the 9 Pro, at least mm -hmm. the 9 Pro that I tested oh, yeah. with the old software. And I think that's one of the things about the 8 Gen 1 is that if you're not pushing it, like... It's super thrifty. And that LTPO 2.0 uh, technology is also super thrifty. I was getting on the PC Mark Work 3 battery test, which is a standard test for battery life, mm -hmm. about 12 hours, which is in the upper echelons of good. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm not saying it's spectacular, but it's definitely good. So, yeah. But 
But this was definitely, I think, one of the positive changes coming to Android 12 was OnePlus's power management strategy giving users a little bit more control. And they adopted more of the battery modes that we saw from Samsung. You know, you can go in there and say, open this up more and I'm cool nuking my battery or right. give me something that's a bit more balanced. Um, that was the other one. Uh, the other hardware spec I forgot to bring up is that it, it's it's 10% more battery life than an S22 Plus. So again, yeah. do you... Do, do you want a lower resolution display that doesn't save as much power or do you want a higher resolution display that can scale down refresh rate and you get 10% more battery and you get a charger in the box? I just feel like that's fair. Again, it's not one size fits all. There is no one no. winner. I just think it's I mean, there's fair no perfect phone competition. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I desperately want all yeah, of we the all do. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> so the the other thing I want to point out is that in some of the other markets, there's an eighty watt option and, and yeah. the phone supports eighty watt. I don't know if you know the details behind that, but I did some research and it turns out that in markets that have a, a mains power mm -hmm. in the wall that's 220 or 230 or 240 volts, they get the 80-watt charger and the phone charges at 80-watt. In markets that have 100, 110, 120 volts, they get the 65-watt charger watt. and 65-watt. So I'm flying to Europe next week. You can try it. I have the 80-watt charger for nice. the Oppo Find X5 Pro because it's mm -hmm. a European model. And I'm going to try to see if my US OnePlus will charge at 80 watts in Europe with that brick. So stay tuned. Yeah, so look, I think, honestly, I went into this review thinking, eh, whatever, it's just going to be incremental, whatever. I'm not going to be excited. And I came out like, yeah, actually, you know what? I like this better than the 9 Pro right now, at yeah. least the 9 Pro that I tested the way it was. And as such, I would say, like, I didn't make it an editor's choice that would be, you know, a little much for this. But I think for, for I ended up making it a recommended, which for us is like, mm -hmm. you know, I gave it 4.25 out of 5. So, yeah, it's a good phone, guys. It's It just, you know, depends what your priorities are. And, but I think for me, the delight, the thing that, really made me kind of like like the pixel 5a made me go like oh cool Ooh. on the pixel 5a it was pretty much everything but <laughs> right. on this it was like this <laughs> camera the way it just came out of nowhere and just really made photos that just just were appealing it's, it's hard to put stuff. my finger on it i'm not like pixel peeking here i'm not like being all analytical because i could be and if I am, then, you know, yes, the iPhone still takes better photos. So does Google. So does Samsung. But there's something about it. It's like it tastes right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Again, it's an intangible and we're talking about something somewhat creative. But these are the tools that empower us to tell stories and capture memories. And, and I feel OnePlus suffers from their previous branding. A lot of people oh. still talk about OnePlus cameras as if we're talking about a OnePlus 5. And you're like, you know, from the <laughs> OnePlus 8 Pro, no. this conversation has been very different. And now oh, for sure. OnePlus 9 updated and OnePlus 10, this is it's a not, whole new dimension. Yeah. yeah this this yeah. is this is a, a completely different tier of performance. And and I think it would do many of us in the tech community well to maybe uh circle back and and kind of pit these up against each 
other competitive options in ways that aren't just like, well, I took three photos of fire hydrants side by side, and you can tell by the white balance that the iPhone wins. And you're like, that's not what people are doing with their phones. So let's not do that in our room. Right. <laughs> okay, so the few new phones this week and rumors and things are the first, the Redmi 11 Pro Plus 5G. I got one sent to me by Xiaomi. And, well, you know, it's, uh, what is it, like something like $350 and mm -hmm. it's got some solid specs. 120 yeah. watt charging is the big, you know, kind of marquee yeah. feature here. It's the same charging tech you've, we've seen on the Xiaomi 11T and the 12 Pro now as well. Pretty impressive. We're talking 17 minutes, zero to 100. So if you're in a market like where your power is not very reliable and you need to be opportunistic about charging your phone, which will last two days on a charge, this is definitely something that matters to you. Um, of course, it's got 120 hertz display, which is an AMOLED, which is nice. And it has a 108 megapixel camera without OIS, but it's that, you know, 0.7 micron Samsung sensor that pixel mm -hmm. bins nine to one. It's a solid camera system. Um, and, you know, similar, very, this one is actually very similar to the Poco X4 Pro 5G, yeah. but with a different processor. It's got the MediaTek Dimensity 920 instead of yeah, the Snapdragon so 795. Yeah. yeah. So look, check out my video. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, it's my unboxing. You can get a feel for the phone. It's got those slap sides that are very popular right now in the mid-range because they're trying to copy iPhone looks I and know. feel. <laughs> totally. I kind of dig it, honestly. <laughs> you know, my favorite was the Vivo V23. Yeah. They, the, the pro was like looked like a Samsung phone, and the non-pro looks like an iPhone. <laughs> like an iPhone, <laughs> exactly. Know? There's like yeah. a bit of psychology there. Like we'll make our phones look like <laughs> Apple's most expensive devices. It's hilarious. <laughs> then the next item we have is uh, the Vivo X Fold. It's yeah. been teased, and it's coming on April 11th. Vivo and Iku, I don't know how you say it. I've always said Iku, but I think, I, I don't know if I'm Iku, right. okay, I'll say Iku. I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> so Vivo and Iku are kind of like the, the hidden darlings of the uh, of the mm -hmm. PBK world. And honestly, I'm super excited to see what they're going to do. The first thing that I noticed right away on this video, on this teaser, is that there is a freaking Periscope telephoto on the back of yeah. this folding phone. I believe this is the first phone mm -hmm. with a folding lens on a folding phone. Like a yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> folding lens on a folding phone. It's Yeah, perfect. folded lens on a folding phone. <laughs> yeah, and so, ah, uh, yeah, sign me up. I'm excited. Yes. This is cool. I, again, just to mirror what you said, Vivo has, I've only started using them in earnest last year. And they completely blindsided me because my perception of Vivo was kind of more budgety. And what they've been no. doing with premium tier <laughs> devices has has been absolutely stunning. For so me, it was the X50 Pro that yeah. woke me up to what they could do. And oh boy, that was an experience. Then I got the X60 Pro. I'm still waiting and for then, an X70 Pro. Plus, and which is what I I'm want. very anxious to see what they might do with an X80 and some of the rumors that we're hearing. Yeah, about they're that, coming that out with too. them every three months right now. Oof. It's pretty <laughs> crazy pace. So yeah, Vivo rocks. So check that out, folks. There's a link to a GSM Arena story. They kind of broke it. And what's your thoughts, by the way, on the Redmi? I I just kind of steamrolled through. Oh yeah, that. no. Um, the 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 reason why I was really excited about the Redmi is because I spent time with the Poco X4. Right. And the major 
criticism of the X4 is how adding 5G to an X3 meant stepping down in compute power. Where the right. X3 was kind of a darling uh, flagship killer, the X4 mm-hmm. is is being, I mean, it's literally being sold as more of an all-rounder, not a high-performance phone. And so when we see that similar parts been used on a Redmi, and we step up to a Dimensity 9, uh, you said 920, yeah. um, that kind of brings back some of the magic that I think Poco fans were were lacking. So it, it's, it's right in the sweet spot. But yeah. as 5G rolls out internationally, they're going to start experiencing some of the same things that we did where our phones got about $100 more expensive just for the 5G. So if you try to keep the 5G at the same price from last generation on the 4G, you've got to swap out some other components to make up that price difference. I think it's going to take the the market a little while to kind of normalize on better radio tech and higher performance SOCs. For sure. So Moto has a couple of items of news this week. I mean... Mm-hmm. One has been ongoing. It's the Moto Frontier, <laughs> the, the supposed crazy flagship with a 200 megapixel right. rear camera, the, that new Samsung sensor. Now that's one item. The other one is Moto is supposedly number three brand or yeah. phone in the US. And that's yes. not surprising, but in some ways surprising. So let's start with the Frontier. <laughs> For sure. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean... We both have an Edge Plus 2022. Yeah. And, you know, there are some things about that phone that are, could be better. And maybe this is the phone. Maybe this is the phone that gives us those better things, right? Yeah, I I feel like it, you know, a, a company should always have some kind of aspirational premium tier phone. A Halo phone is a necessity. Yeah, I, I drive a Nissan and I love going into a Nissan dealership and looking at really awesome sports cars. And then I drive home in a Sentra, right? You know, like whatever, th- right? there's, 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 there's that idea. And, and we should always look at anything that starts climbing north of $800 as super niche territory. So yeah. if Moto can show off, this is our best of the best, our creme de la creme. We know that this phone is maybe going to move. 500,000 to a million units. It's gonna be pricey, but we want to show you what our engineers can do at the the high end of this and mix it with some of the things that are so refreshing to use on the Moto Edge Plus. Then it just sparks that conversation and it brings Moto back into a chat that they've been kind of lukewarm on since Moto mods were a thing. So, yeah. so again, it's it's yeah. aspirational and it gets you inspired and you you want to talk about it. It's very interesting. I think if we keep our expectations in check that this is a phone that's going to sell in a very specific window and category, I think it's it's gravy for Moto and it gets people interested in the brand again. Yeah, and that's kind of why I was disappointed last year when they didn't really give us anything, right? To follow yeah, exactly. up the, the incredibly yeah. awesome 2020 Edge Plus which had issues, I know it was expensive, all that, blah, blah, blah. But it hit all the boxes, which was important because it was that Halo, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of why, as an aside back to the 10 Pro, I want a 10 Pro Plus or a 10 Pro Ultra. Like Ultra, I really do. Yeah. I don't really care how much it costs at this point. Like frankly, yeah. $1,400, go nuts. I don't care. I want OnePlus to just put their stake in the ground, go check this out, bitches. Yeah, this is what we can do. Correct, and you correct. will pay for it, but it's here. But it's here, <laughs> yeah. And so this number three moto thing, like, okay, so for me, it's a little confusing because, well, okay, so that that we had a good start of a conversation. We can't spend too much time on this, unfortunately. But yeah, but, but to you know, like to me, OnePlus probably stole a chunk of that last year because that those N series yeah. phones, not the ten, but the the 
definitely the 200. Yeah. Were, were really great phones. And I can see people going like, Moto G versus that? I'll take the I'll take the OnePlus anytime, personally. But, it's, but again, our, our perspective on the smartphone market has been out of whack for years. I mean, you would bring up like, you know, LG before they went out was something like 15% of the United States smartphone. It market. was all stylos, all the stylos that are in land phones right series. now. Yeah. But, but that's, but that's why, I mean, again, we're, we're sitting here talking about premium tier phones. Like I've got a note 22 and an S 22 in front of me. The average selling price of a Samsung last year was $270. So the top selling Samsung was an a 12. Let's not, you know, pretend that the overall market is dependent on YouTuber reviews of thousand dollar phones. So, so what do you mean? When, <laughs> so when, when we see, you know, I, I really expected OnePlus to eat up more of that market share. I really expected Google because the pixel five a is incredible. I really expected yeah. them to eat up more of that market share, but Moto had the distribution and, and the resources in place for all of the lower cost carriers and Moto ACE. That's a solid phone at around that $300 price tier. You're going to walk into a Boost Mobile. You're going to walk out with the phone free on some Come kind on, of Come on, cricket, cricket. <laughs> cricket, exactly. So, so with all of that infrastructure in place, in a way that I never would have expected, but now it makes perfect sense in hindsight, Moto had to be the number three. There's no one else who's really moving those types of phones. Even Samsung kind of slow plays Galaxy A in the United States. They don't put much effort into moving those phones. They're all high-level marketing. So Moto is the only other option. OnePlus can't move the same number of units. Google can't move the same number of units. Moto has that distribution on lock. Yeah. And they already had the store, the phones in store shelves. Like some Absolutely. of these phones might be two years old, but you can go into a Boost <laughs> Mobile and literally oh, walk out boy. with one. No, you're right. And it, that's totally what's happening. And I never even yeah. thought of that because, you know, there's all that old stock. And not only that, but like I just played with the the Moto G Power 2022 recently, and I've got yeah. the Moto G Stylus 2022. These two mm -hmm. are, they're 4G phones, folks. They're not anything special. They have like Helio chips in them. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying they're not good phones. But think about that weird crew of Stylo fans. I mean, there's like this tiny little crew well, of the rider Moto G die. Stylus. That's why they made the Moto G Stylus. Yeah. But, but that's just it. They don't have anywhere to go. So a Moto G Stylus pops up and you're like, yeah. oh, I don't need to spend a thousand dollars plus on a, on a top of the line Samsung. I now have an upgrade path that I can roll over my Stylo three into a Moto G Stylo. And that makes perfect sense. And it's yeah. not going to break no, the bank. Absolutely. And they have all of those capabilities again. Moto was the only one in that tier. They were the only one yeah. playing in that space. And they're the only ones who can do it too. They have, because mm -hmm. as you said, they have the distribution channels and everything. They just can come out and say, because, you know, as I said, like, I don't want to knock these phones. They're necessary, but they're not particularly great. Like they're performance wise, particularly like mm -hmm. difficult. Like I think everything else about them, the specs, the way they look and feel, the software is obviously Moto is wonderful, yeah. But it's just like, once you start using them, you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, I guess I just played with a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. That's yeah. a different world. Whereas, you know, when I go to that, that Redmi, mm -hmm. I don't feel that, you know? I feel less. Yes. I feel I it. Agree. It's there, but yeah. I don't feel it to the point where I'm like, oh, I can't use this. Like, well, but that's, that's what I think is interesting about a phone like the Moto Ace, because the Moto Ace brought me into feeling closer to a Pixel 4a 5G, like Okay, this isn't the cheapest yeah, phone right. that Motorola makes, but it's not 
particularly expensive. And when we look at the consumer who's likely going to walk out the door with the phone, maybe they don't have great credit so they can't finance or lease a phone for 50 bucks a month, they don't know what they're missing on an HM. No, they, they will never know. They, 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 they are anticipating a certain tier of performance based on the realities of their, their uh, economics. And so when you pick up a phone like the Moto Ace and it's perfectly performant, it's fine. It's a good daily driver. It gets absolutely insane battery life. Yeah. Those consumers are going to pick up a hot premium tier phone and immediately notice a downgrade in how long they can use their phone. Immediately, one of the critical advantages of these lower, lower tier SOCs is getting three days of battery life on a Moto Ace was easy. Oh, getting, yeah. Getting a day of battery life on a Note 22 can be a challenge sometimes. So yeah. again, the the I think we've we've kind of over over hyped and over focused on a certain tier of performance that is difficult to quantify. Like I need to go out of my way to show you what an eight Gen One can do that an eight eighty eight can't. That's a difficult conversation to oh, accomplish. Yeah. It's impossible. But, I, I can't tell the difference if you put but, an eight eighty eight in my hand versus an eight Gen One right now. It's Good tough. Luck. I've got to show you scientifically, and I'm not sure you would be able to notice anecdotally. No. Um, but you go down to like a Pixel 5, and here's this tiny little phone that can get two days of runtime on a 765 with a decently sized battery. And again, yeah. I think that matters more. If you point blank ask any of your family or friends, do you need 10% oh, yeah. more compute power? 100%. Or do you want 50% more battery life? It's just to me that... I think we know... <laughs> How that's going to play These entry-level motos that I'd recently tested seem to have fallen off that cliff of, well, I can't use them. Like, I, I feel yeah. like OnePlus N200 5G now, it's a 5G phone, but nonetheless, sure. I can use that. I can yeah. make that my daily. Well, that, that's that's why I kind of highlighted the Ace, because the Ace, to me, represented that step yeah, yeah, up that sweet from, like, what we used to call the G-series, right? Yeah, the yeah. G-series, to me, always felt like you can suffer a lower-performance phone to save some cash. The Ace, to me, sort of shifted that into something that I felt was... Yeah, and I think the G has shifted to the E, what the E used to be. Because <laughs> exactly, that's, No, seriously, yes. that, that G power that I told you about and that G stylus now, this year, yeah. are they're kind of dogs. Like, they're really slow. And I'm like, okay, this is a Moto E, this is not a Moto G. Anyway, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Oof, I'm all over the place these days. So my own <laughs> channel, um, if you search for some gadget guy on the social media, on the YouTube, you'll find my videos. I'm doing uh, carrier and network news for reviews.org. And I just uh, signed up to uh, do tech reviews and tech deals on slick deals so you're gonna you're gonna cool. be seeing me over on slick deals now too and then of course the patreon uh, patreon.com slash some gadget guy camera views coming out shortly on note 22 and i'm also looking at a budget tcl like i haven't done an in-depth nitty-gritty camera deep dive on a budget phone in a while and i'm overdue looking at what kind of like one of these low-cost carrier options what you can expect you really push one of those cameras to its limits great well folks Please follow JC on all the social everywhere. And uh, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Sans the Voiles. So it's like, you know, <laughs> T-N-K-G-R-L. On Twitter and on Instagram, that's my handle. So if you want to chat with me and JC about this podcast, you know, go for it. Just do it on Twitter because we'll both be able to answer your questions or whatever. 
If you want to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, pretty pictures of cars, since I review cars for Tech Radar, check out my Instagram. There is, of course, a couple of YouTube channels you should subscribe to, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast and youtube.com slash mobiletechmore. The first one, the main channel, is all the phone stuff and the immediate peripherals like wearables and audio gear because I'm love audio gears and wearables. So unboxings mostly, but basically visual content to go alongside the podcast, right? And then the other channel is just basically all the rest of it. It's like car tech, travel tech, home automation, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now we've just kind of started that new channel a couple of years back. We don't have a lot of videos, so, you know, subscribe to both. It'll help us uh, grow the channels. So We'd appreciate it. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little notification bell and comment. You can comment about the podcast too. I'll, I'll respond. It's cool. And then the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe and also tell your friends. It'd be great. If your app lets you review or rate the show, please consider doing that. It really helps with discovery. And then, of course, there's a Patreon. So if you want to support me, just like you want to support JC, patreon.com slash tankrl. That's patreon.com slash tnkgrl. What do you get there? Well, you get a bunch of stuff. We have a tier that's a video version of this podcast where you can see me and JC and our phones that were actually my, my OnePlus is not near me right now, which is ironic. But show some phones. There you go. Perfect, perfect. So if you want to watch us on video ahead of the public audio version, less edited, a little more raw, you should definitely join Patreon. There's a tier for that. There's also a tier to join my Discord channel. So, you know, you can chat with me and there's a bunch of other stuff. So check that out. I'd appreciate it. Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. If you don't like Patreon, that's cool. There's a link in the show notes. You can donate through that. It's a PayPal link, pretty simple. Buy me a coffee, it'll help. Buy me lunch, whatever you think is worth it. I'd appreciate it, it'd be great. Also, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the early days and they're wonderful. If you like books as much as I do, you know, Audible's your platform of choice. They're like the number one audiobook platform, I guess, in the universe. We should probably talk to the aliens and find out if that's true or not. But I'm mm -hmm. pretty confident... Look, I love books and my eyes are often tired at the end of the day because I'm in front of my computer all day. And when I'm traveling, I'm generally the driver. So, you know, <laughs> I have to keep my eyes on the road. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying to you is that reading a book, it's been difficult for me. So I'd much rather listen to a book. And that's where Audible comes in. So we have a special deal, 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end, whether you stay or not. Probably you'll stay because you'll love it. You'll see. The nice thing about Audible is that they don't just have books. They have like some short content, some podcasts. They have a bunch of books read by the authors. They have a ton of selection. And some of it is really epic long. Some of it is really short. So if you're doing a road trip, you can put a book on for nine hours or whatever. Yeah. You know, you can break it down to smaller pieces. It's really lovely. So check it out. If you help them, you help us. If you help me, you help them. It's kind of a perfect, you know, little arrangement. So consider helping Audible and helping me. The URL for that is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. So consider helping us out with that. And I want to thank Audible for being our longtime sponsor. 
And of course, I want to thank you, JC, for being my guest yet again. Yeah, this is great. I, again, it just uh, I'm hoping that we can maybe start catching up more in person as, as trade shows start opening up again. But this, this was lovely. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you on again at some point in the future. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.